And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now,
Hello and welcome to Eastcast. We are a team of forecasters for the best arts and culture happening in East London. We're on NTS every other Monday morning at 8 or you can catch us anytime here on eastcastshow.com or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Or you can search Eastcast Show on Facebook and Twitter and you'll find us there too. So we're all about East London, but we also record our show from East London in the Abbott Street Studios in Dalston, to be exact. On the show today, I discover where to go to become a coffee expert. Nia? Yeah, and I talk to a storyteller who is bringing spoken word, poetry and charity together. Our guests in the studio will be telling us all about their foodie magazine creation, Root and Bone. And I have many musical treats for you, all from bands and artists playing somewhere in East London over the coming weeks. The first track you heard was by Texan five-piece Holy Wave um, with their 60s garage rock-sounding Albuquerque freakout. What? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing at the Shacklewell Arms on Wednesday, the 12th of February. Um, and you'll also hear sounds on the show from Sons of Kemet, Dorian Wood... And Rosie Lowe. But before, um, here's Melbourne-based singer-songwriter Courtney Barnett with uh, her recent single, Avant Gardener.
So that was Avant Gardener by Courtney Barnett. And she's celebrating her double EP launch uh, called Split Peas um, following the debut single that you just heard. Um, She's been gathering quite a strong fan base worldwide thanks to her clever kind of Dylan-esque lyrics and catchy tunes. And she's performing a showcase at Rough Trade East on Saturday the 15th of February and a more kind of proper gig at the Ace Hotel on Thursday the 13th. So you can go and check her out there. Um, now joining us in the studio are Steve Ryan, food photographer, and Anthony Power, who's a chef. And together, as with two other people, they've launched a new food magazine uh, called Root and Bone. And thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Um, so first of all, why... A food magazine. Does the world need a food magazine? What, what was the incentive behind it? Well, um, I moved over here in 2010 uh, from Ireland. And uh, I met Ant uh, a couple of years before that. But we worked on a project when I came over first, which was a cookbook. And I never really cared much about food photography until we did this cookbook. And we met up with Mark and Alex, who are designers of that cookbook. And we started researching food magazines and different things. And we saw that a lot of them didn't really appeal to us and so uh, we kept going did our cookbooks and then we talked about doing a little zine and on the back of just doing a few little projects together that we tried to pitch at, at magazines that are already in existence we realized that our stories weren't really for anybody except ourselves <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to make this magazine purely just for ourselves and our friends and stuff and that's just where it came from i mean it's not when you think of food magazines you kind of think of very colorful glossy pictures of kind of juicy food this isn't like that it's it's much more you know it's yeah, we've done got on a copy of it here got, yeah. it's, it's very sort of arty isn't it it's uh, like sort of newspaper uh, type paper and it's um, and and it's the really kind of food done. photography that you do it yeah is is t- very different from what you would see like the in the uh, your first um, issue you had uh, food ta- meat tattooing which was kind of intriguing and then on this one you've got you know pictures of strange beasts in pickled liquids um, uh, so you know it's not not your kind of normal food photography and subjects. Yeah, well, I think one of the reasons for that is, as Steve was saying, there wasn't – there's certainly as a chef, and, and I know I speak for a lot of chefs and hospitality people, you know, they're very upstanding citizens, but they're, they're pretty crazy people. And a lot of the food journalism that's out there is very safe and, you know, it's there's really nothing it, – it's a real kind of rock and roll industry. It's It's – you know, they're all mercenaries and, you know, jump from one job to another and, you know, long hours and – alcohol and god knows what else they'd like to dabble in but this sort of re- reflects that kind of side of the industry i think so and and who's your who is the same that other than your friends of course but uh, what what kind of people do you think it's this going to appeal to i mean you've obviously you're on your second issue now and um steve you were telling me last last time we chatted that you you went from kind of a couple of thousand issues to 10,000 issues on the on the second edition so there's obviously like a a, a need or a want for this this kind of publication well it's free so maybe people are doing other things <laughs> that we don't know but it's uh yeah we, we did 2,000 copies for the first run and we thought that was huge and I remember even when it arrived in the crate and we were like what are we going to do with all these and um, yeah, we did 2,000, but we're quarterly, so that's like three months. So we figured we have three months to get rid of 2,000. And 
one of uh, one of our goals um, was always that we'd leave it into bars and restaurants, and our hope was that the the chefs and the waiters and waitresses and bar staff would be the first to take it. And that means that like it wouldn't be that kind of thing that's just left out for the tourists or different things. We wanted our magazines to be, as Anne said, for the industry foremost. And if they led the led the charge as our readership, then we'd get other people involved too. But yeah, we did 2,000 for the first issue and they were gone within like three weeks. And we had people contacting us the whole time during the first three-month period asking us for more, but we didn't have any more. And we thought about doing a reprint, but we're, pu- we're publishing it ourselves, we're paying for it ourselves. And... um but yeah, we just didn't have any money to put out another edition. So we decided to keep that whatever money we were going to have for this uh, issue too. And so that's why we just did 10,000 run for that. And yeah, we're that's two months in and we're down to our last couple of hundred. So. Wow. Get it well. <laughs> Get it while you can. Yeah, so where can people, mainly in, in restaurants and cafes... That's that's where if there are any copies left, that's where people. Could yeah, well, we have a few. We're, we're we're trying to restock our stock. again, we're doing our own distribution too, which hasn't been any fun on the back of bikes and <laughs> zip cars and buses and stuff. But we have we've listed our. We're trying to build a relationship with our stockists, and so people who stocked us in issue one and who were kind enough to give us a shot, we've listed them inside the magazine and on our our blog and Twitter and stuff. So like you can find us pretty much mainly in East London because that's where we kind of live and it's an easier cycle right but then we've got we're trying to find places in South London and West London and uh, what's really cool is people are emailing us now looking for it so by issue three hopefully we'll have figured out what we're doing and um, try and be somewhat professional and get more magazines to people in time so what's next? Obviously, next another issue but have you got any other plans? Um, are you going to go online? What, what's the next step? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, as Steve was saying, we're, we're, you know, we're sort of making this up as we go. Um, I think definitely, you know, we want to do a lot more video content as well from some of the recipes and, and you know, some of the articles that are in there is actually sort of film how we do them as well and, and make some short clips. But I think one of the reasons, one of the things that we really wanted to achieve with this is we wanted to just create the platform so that the people from the industry and people, you know, that love food and drink get in touch and start sharing their stories and their ideas as well. I mean, there's a few regular columns in there, like, you know, like Kitchen Confidential, which is, you know, stories from restaurants. And there's, uh, you know, the Midnight Cowboys, which is if, when you come home pissed and you've got no food, you know, when you get creative with whatever's in the cupboard. So these are the kind of articles uh, and regular columns that we want people to contribute to. So, you know, if you do pick it up and you read it and you've got an idea, feel free to get in touch with us. Cool. Um, that's brilliant. So looking for, when's the next one coming out? Uh, We're going to be kind to ourselves and give ourselves an extra month because Christmas kind of distracted us all. And uh, we all have full-time jobs as well. This is all on the side. So we're bringing out the next issue in April. And then we're also going to start running some events, um, that kind of thing, maybe in the summer. So we're looking at doing a couple of events maybe in the summer that we'll... What, what, like cookery-related, obviously. Cookery-related but- events, uh, maybe some kind of competition or just some kind of workshop maybe some talks i don't know we're going to just sort of see what have a bit of fun outside of the magazine we're also going to launch a website and have a bit more fun with that and as Anne said more video content because that's a lot of fun to do mm. i like the sound of that maybe like a, a midnight cowboy masterclass. oh well, there we go <laughs> there, there we go we can, we can only have it like maybe after the club's close so. oh, yeah exactly Make it as grimy as possible <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so, Stephen and Anthony, for coming in. Thanks for and, having us. Uh, we're having looking for, really looking forward to the next one.
Cheers. Thank you. So next up, um, we have another track for you from recent MOBO Award winners, uh, contemporary jazz outfit Sons of Kemet. I've had quite a buzz around their latest album, Burn, which was released uh, late last year. And um, with combined credentials from their four members, ranging from working with Radiohead, Courtney Pine, Matthew Herbert, Zero Seven and Polar Bear, um, Sons of Kemet just take jazz out of the box. So they are playing at Rich Mix on Wednesday, the 12th of February. And this is from that album, uh, Sons of Kemet with Going Home.
So that was Sons of Kemet with their rather fun song, Going Home. And now, if you're in the comedy and spoken word scene, the name of Jean-Marc Piasson might be familiar to you. He's now putting together a charity event to raise funds for UNICEF. We had a talk with him last year about his work and caught up again with him recently to hear about his newest venture. My name is Jean-Marc. Uh, if you recognize my accent, I'm French. So I used to say that I am a storyteller, but now I say I am a gardener and a philosopher, an entertainer, speaker and a storyteller. I tell stories about uh, many different things. So Jean-Marc, you've been on our show before, quite a few months ago. You, um, you told us a story about a seagull in the studio. Um, so what have you been up to since then? I went around different circuits because I I like to get out of the of the usual circle. So I visit a bit, a bit of poetry clubs. I went to some comedy clubs, storytelling clubs, public speaking clubs. But uh, I like to go to many different places where people get on the stage and speak to an audience. And at the moment you're focusing on an event called the One Minute Speech Challenge. Can you tell me what that's about? I've noticed, especially in poetry events, that you have a huge amount of performers and they all want to get on stage, but they all stay on stage for five, ten minutes and there are very, very... There are so many of them that... At the end, these events are fantastic in quality, but it's like eating a delicious cake and then another slice and another slice and another slice until you are completely fed up. So I was thinking, how about giving one minute? That way, with one minute, I can get 30 people, 30, 35 people on stage, each one giving a little bit of their special perfume in an intense way, and it will be a contest. The speakers will raise a few quid for the UNICEF to be able to register. So, not too much, because I know that uh, fundraising is something a bit painful. So I ask for, uh, I suggest 25 quid, and I ask for a minimum of 12. So the performers, they're comedians, they're storytellers, there's an array? I wish precisely to reach to different people. So the public speakers from the public speaking clubs, if I have poets, storytellers, comedians, I would love to have a little bit of many different people. And so who's going to be judging these artists? The audience. So the judges will not be judges, they will measure the intensity of the applause. I announce now so that people have time to talk about their friends and families and supporters to, to raise a, a few quid. Think of writing a one-minute one speech and then register and be prepared for the 22nd of February. The 22-2 at 2 p.m. Okay. <laughs> bring supporters. The more yeah. supporters you bring, uh, the more you will be, get support in the audience. And uh, I want to fill a hundred people, a hundred seat room. So that's a little bit crazy, but uh, I take the challenge. And have you ever done anything like this before? No, no, I've never done. I usually I organize events uh, in a much smaller form, little training around public speaking, things like that. Well, it sounds fantastic, and the best of luck with it. And we'll we'll put all those details of the um, of the event on our website as well. Sean Mark, thank you very much. Thank you very much. His voice was just made for storytelling, wasn't it? So that was Jean Marc. 
And that event takes place on um, in the Resource for London headquarters on Holloway Road. So we are Eastcast and you can hear us every other Monday morning on NTS or anytime on our website, eastcastshow.com, or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. I wonder if I could speak for a minute on something. <laughs> Music? <laughs> right, here we go. Um, so uh, next up we have something from avant-garde Los Angeles-based artist Dorian Wood, who makes uh, an exceptional appearance at the Dalston Boys Club uh, just around the corner in Dalston at the end of his European tour. Um, his performances are apparently quite emotionally charged and um, he... His most recent album, Rattle Rattle, is uh, based around a doomsday th- theme. So cheerful stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play you one of the more accessible songs um, that he does. And you won't hear the full track because it's quite long. So we'll hear an excerpt of it. And then if you want to f- hear the full uh, track, you can go on to East Car Show, our, our website, and um, go onto the music tab and you'll find all the music that I play on the show um, as a SoundCloud playlist so you can hear it all again um, and if you missed who did what, you can you can see the titles there. So um, he is, so this is Dorian Wood, he's playing at the Dalston Boys Club on Friday the 14th of February and this is I hope I pronounced this right. It's quite a difficult one. Glasselalia. This world is a bastard. Lord, love a bastard do. Take a train to the end of where your eyes take you. Your family is fine. drive you to the station did they drown in a pond this world is my bastard come see him come see the child how I long to break him
there was Dorian Wood with Glacilalia. With over 100 speciality coffee shops and almost a dozen roasters set in the east, locals seem to be interested not only in grabbing an espresso from a distant place like Guatemala, but also learning how to make a cup the right way. Hi, I'm Magda. I've been working for Taylor Street for four and a half years and now I'm the head of training, which means I train all of our staff as well as run home barista courses. The course is aimed at espresso users and espresso lovers, but only about 50% of our customers actually do own an espresso machine. And what are the main questions that people have when they go for the course? They expect to be able to pour beautiful latte art which is unfortunately not doable. It's not achievable in three hours. It takes more, like three months of pouring hundreds of coffees. And about muscle memory, it's like if you're right-handed and you pick up a pen with your left hand and you know the movement, you know how to do that, but your writing will not be perfect. It's the same like picking up chopsticks for the first time in your life someone can show you how to do that but it's your muscles in your hand that have to remember the movement to make it look smooth and effortless if someone else has maybe a french press or another kind of uh, machine at home will they be able to learn how to take care properly of the coffee absolutely the course starts with an hour of introduction about coffee, general information, tasting, different origins, equipment, maintenance, the importance of grinding, buying freshly roasted coffee. And that is relevant no matter what brewing device you use. What are the main myths about coffee? The first myth I have to mention is coffee storage. A lot of people believe that coffee should be stored in the fridge or freezer, but coffee doesn't like moisture, change of temperatures, different odors and lights. And for all of these reasons, coffee does not belong in the fridge or your freezer. How important is that they have fresh beans in their homes? Freshness is key to good coffee. The two main elements of flavor are the aroma and the taste. We need to start thinking about coffee as fresh produce. I like to compare it to buying apples. Buying whole beans is like buying apples. You wouldn't buy six months' worth of apples because they would go all wrinkly. Coffee doesn't go wrinkly, but it does lose aroma. And in terms of uh, ground coffee, I like comparing it to chopped bananas. Coffee loses aroma at the same rate as uh, bananas go brown after chopping. About taste as well, coffee has more taste notes than wine? It does indeed. It's the most complex uh, substance that we consume. About 800 different flavors have been described in coffee and none of them is coffee. (laughs) So what kind of taste notes are we talking about then? Chocolate, nuts, toasted hazelnuts, roasted almonds. We'll be talking about fruits, berries, raspberries, strawberries, peaches and apricots. We'll be talking about different levels of sweetness. Sweet like honey, sweet like maple syrup, strawberries, or like strawberry starburst. 
coffee is harvested in different parts of the world at different times of the year, which means that we get coffee arriving in the UK from different parts of the world at different times, which means we always get um, exciting beans arriving in the UK. But that also means that coffee from your favorite origin will not be available throughout the whole year. If someone is actually not an espresso lover, um, can they go for the for your coffee shops and buy maybe other equi- equipment? It's hard to find someone who would not love espresso, but um, there's a whole range of different brewing equipment that you could choose from. There's Aeropress, there's V60, there's Chemex, there's Woodneck. All of these produce beautiful black filter style coffee. The most simple and underrated piece of equipment would be our good old French press, which uses just metal filter to separate coffee from water. What I would focus on with using such a simple brewing method would be weighing and timing your coffee, your extraction. We run the courses twice a month at our bank location. Just find us on taylor-st.com slash course. Wow. So how much is a course? Well, it's £85. But to be fair, by the end, you actually know what you're doing, which is really good. You can, you know, progress on your own from that on. And um, the good thing is that the courses just have eight people on them. So it's quite um, helpful that you have, I think it's two barista per, no, one barista every four people. So you do have time to ask all your questions, which is really interesting. Turns out, I, you know, I thought I could make a decent cup of coffee, but maybe <laughs> take <laughs> three, months, that. three months to make a latte. <laughs> yeah. Non-stop, um, beautiful. night and day. That's different, make <laughs> a, a latte. Now I have a little bit more respect, you know, um, in Costa and places like that, they have like head barista and things like that. I always thought it was a little bit, you know silly but okay if it takes three months to make a proper cappuccino then maybe and did she teach you how to how to do the sort of pretty patterns that you see on the top of lattes well that's an extra three that's, months that's <laughs> an extra three months exactly to do the heart but yeah. I, I did like the, the thing about timing because you don't really think you cannot really um let the coffee set for your whole breakfast if you're making it you need to drink it within uh, you n- need to brew it and then drink it within like considerable time. Otherwise, it will taste terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, be Just drink it while it's hot. Fully. Yes. Well. <laughs> right. Time for a bit of music. I think. Um, so this next track is from Canadian musician Calvin Love, um, who released his new Radar album late last year and is currently supporting fellow Canadians. Um, of Montreal who are getting plenty of attention so of course I thought it'd be more interesting to um, to give Calvin some love on the show and he's playing at Oval Space on Thursday the 20th of February supporting of Montreal and this is Calvin Love with Wild Blue.
with Monday. So you might have heard about this new music venue called Oslo in Hackney. Um, well, they're now launching a series of foodie nights called Oslo Hosts. And the first one is hosted by MasterChef winner Matt Follas. And um, there are a limited amount of tickets, only 50, and they're £50 each. Um, so moving on to Tuesday, um, Hackspace on Hackney Road is a community workshop where you can go in and use various tools. So they've got a metal corner, uh, you know, metalwork corner, electronics section, they've got printers. Um, so, you know, if you've got a particular craft or you're getting into something, then they have uh, open nights every Tuesday evening from 730 um, so uh, for the crafty people among like you. Like me, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got your so sewing machine. Workshops? Yes, exactly. now I do. Now I can go and learn, yeah. which seems very interesting. Exactly. 
So um, on Wednesday and running until the 1st of March is a play called The Balloon. Um, it's based on the aftermath of a plane crash. So nice and cheerful. That's at the Yard Theatre in Hackney Wick and tickets are £10. But that also includes entry to another performance called Giddy Pigs on Trial. I haven't actually been to the Yard Theatre before, but... Um, it's not, yeah, it's a really nice venue actually, and they've got they've got a great cafe next door, and um, I mean you kind of have to make a a, a day or a night of it because mm. you know it's a bit of a trek to get to Hackney Wick, but there's yeah. quite a lot of galleries and cafes around there now, so you can kind of turn it into a day make out, a night of it, yeah. And then moving on to Saturday, uh, we've got Marawa the amazing uh, hula hooping classes, which start on a weekly basis every saturday um throughout february and into march and they are 2 to 3 p.m in shoreditch town hall and that's 11 pounds per class i imagine so. that's quite an interesting view getting pe- people getting inside the shoreditch town hall with their hula hoops <laughs> yeah. just by the arm yeah. <laughs> that can be quite interesting it yeah. would be quite good for fitness I yeah imagine. i think that your stomach muscles but will, to be, uh, get and nicely back, toned um mm. i did it quite a few times and i was oh the the back hurts too. Um, it's quite intense. I tried speaking and doing it at the same time. I cannot. It's just you sometimes get, you lose breath. You can stop talking. talking. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, so before I pass you on to Anna, um, just to a reminder that we are uh, on Twitter at Eastcast Show, and so let us know if you've got any interesting or quirky things happening in East London, um, and we'll we'll cover them on our show. Okay, so uh, because uh, Valentine's Day is coming, I'm not a fan of Valentine's Day, but apparently uh, we should make celebration about Singles Day too, which is every day for everyone else. (laughs) But, you know, um, the 14th of February um, at the Troxy, uh, there's the screening of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And they... They have a good night on, so I suppose that uh, you can go from 6.30pm, which is a good time because then you can do whatever you like. I imagine it's quite an immersive event. If it's organised by Future Cinema, they usually kind of do a whole themed night around it, so... I'm sure there'll be lots of Acme sexy boxes. ladies in red dresses, I and was going to say. <laughs> That's probably yeah. more appropriate than Valentine's. <laughs> exactly. like, jokes, jokes. Maybe. Yeah. Well, so um, these basically can be done in any other day. No, not specifically. Um, you can visit the Tower uh, of London, but in a very interesting way, which is pocket-friendly. So if you actually live in Tower Hamlets, you can visit, um, you can visit it for just one pound, which is really good so you just need to pop in with um you know a proof of address and uh with also uh the library card from the idea store and you just get in for a pound i can see your faces you look amazed (laughs) (laughs) well don't live in tower hamlets but if i did i'd be really excited it can be quite a um i can imagine a more bit um event to go to yeah maybe it's not very cheerful (laughs) it's quite fun anti-valentine you often often don't go to these big sites you sort of take Mm. them for granted but actually you should yeah sure they're excellent on um thursday the 20th of february there's an event called write it mike it so it's a night of monologues duologues poetry and 
any other thing they might think of. Uh, so he's dedicated to the love of quirky and the, spe specifically the new writing theatre scene in London. So um, Polaroid invites actors and writers to step up to the mic and it happens at the Hackney Picture House and it's four pounds. So Saturday, 22nd, uh, also at the Art Theatre, This is a very interesting, uh, a very interesting month for them because they also have um, a night for, with a double bill. So you go there, tickets are eleven pounds, and you can see two performances: Still Score uh, by Tom Adams and The Drowned Girl by Kelly Jones. So one of them caught re uh, seemed really interesting because through comedy storytelling and live music Tom tells us stories of of strangers because um, he, well, I'm not giving it all away so you just go and um, I think it's um, audience participation as well Ooh. starts at 7.30 <laughs> It's good that you're one. warning people Yes Because <laughs> well, some people think, like it, some people don't <laughs> Yes, you just never know <laughs> I think that's all we have. All the details will be um, on our blog, as you know. To find more details, just head to eastcastshow.com. So I've also got a suggestion for next week as well. Also at um, New Club on the Block, Oslo. Um, and uh, it's Rosie Lowe, uh, who will be performing live there on Thursday the 20th with Andrew Ashong. We've had an interview by Andrew Ashong on the show. And um, Rosie Lowe blends um, R&B vocals with smooth electronic beats. Um, and I imagine she's going to gain quite a strong fan base because she kind of appeals to people who are more into mainstream music but also to people who are attracted to sort of more underground sounds you yeah you'll you'll hear later she kind of blends the two really nicely together um so i'm the last track on the show is uh from rosie Lowe, and um it's from her debut ep right thing but before that there's just enough time Before we go, to say we've been Eastcast. Um, it's been recorded in the Abbott Street studios in Dalston. We're on NTS every other Monday, but in the meantime, you can catch us anytime on eastcastshow.com or on iTunes. Or watch out for regular updates on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Thank you.